Okay, we're going to, we're in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are looking at Paul. He's been talking about the new covenant. He kind of stopped for a moment because he was talking about his ministry and so he kind of talked about the new covenant as far as what it meant or what it means. And so we contrasted that last week as far as the New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. And to be honest with you, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to understand that you are a product of the New Covenant because the Old Covenant, you didn't have anything to do with it. You had no part in it. You were excluded from the Old Covenant. But in the New Covenant, you do have a part in it because of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. So now he gets back into, as we get into chapter 4, he gets back to his original line of thinking here as he talks about his ministry. Because I want you to remember what's going on here. The Corinthians were being influenced by some false teachers, some Judaizers. And they were calling into question Paul's credentials. Do you remember? They were calling into question whether or not the Apostle Paul was a qualified minister or was, that he was rather a true apostle. And so what's happening here now is that Paul is really reintroducing himself to them. He's validating his ministry. And remember, he, two weeks ago he said, do I really need to do this? Do I really need to reintroduce myself to you guys because you are a product of my ministry? I planted you. I led you to faith. And do I really need to do this? So that's the kind of thinking that's taking place here. And so we see that here. So as we get into chapter 4, he's going to talk about the nature of ministry in general. And this is going to be very important for you and I to understand. Because usually when we think of ministry, what do we think of when we think of ministry? Pastors. Anybody else? Youth workers. Missionaries, evangelists, Sunday school teachers. Okay, what you're going to see as we go through this discussion is that's you know that is a component. Notice what I said: a component of ministry. That that is a specialized component of ministry where we have said that these certain people are going to minister. But the reality is that ministry is much broader than that, and ministry involves who. Yeah, everyone. Because it's really easy for you to sit in a pew and get an idea. Well, you know, I don't really have anything to do because that's what we got George for. Well, yes and no. You've got George to fulfill certain specific duties, which the Bible outlines. Primarily, let me just remind you what Ephesians says. Ephesians says that God gave the church pastors to equip you to do what? The work of the ministry. Primarily, my responsibility is not evangelism. My primary, although that should be a part of my ministry, my primary responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now, what's the work of the ministry? Not just evangelism, but also what? Ministering to each other. Ministering to each other. So he's going to talk about the ministry here for a moment. So I want you to notice verse 1 and 2. And let's look at Paul's attitude towards ministry. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, 
not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So let's notice a couple things here. Number one, what's he saying here? Paul acknowledges that they have the ministry of the new covenant. They have the ministry of the new covenant. So we see his ministry here. They, that is, Paul and his companions, because of the mercy shown them, which is the mercy of the new covenant. Remember, what's the new covenant again? Yeah, Christ's blood, Christ's sacrifice for you and I to have eternal life. Because we have the ministry of the new covenant, we now have a responsibility to become ministers of the new covenant. See, now notice something. I want you to notice how Paul's attitude needs to be translated over to you and I. See, if you've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ in your life, if you've experienced His salvation, if you've experienced His forgiveness, if you've experienced Him making you a new person in Jesus Christ, and now you enter in all of the promises that He has for you that you didn't have before, with that comes a responsibility now. With that comes a responsibility to now share what He has done in your life with who? With others. And who are the others? It's not just unsaved people, but who? But with the saved. You say, well, I don't know. Why isn't it just the unsaved people? Because in a lot of ways, as you see how God ministers to you through the new covenant, you have a responsibility not just to share it with the lost, you have a responsibility to share it with others because what God may be doing in your life right now through the new covenant may be an encouragement to somebody else. It may be an encouragement to someone else. And so Paul recognized that he has this ministry. He acknowledges that they have a ministry of the new covenant. Do you recognize that in your life? Do you recognize that you have a ministry? That you have a responsibility? With your friends? Let me just be honest with you. How many of you have, uh, say, five friends? How many of you have ten friends? Yeah, okay. okay. How many of you know a lot of people? Okay, you interact with them on a weekly basis. Okay, let me ask you a question. I want you to think about your friends. I want you to think about me now. Do I know a majority of your friends? Well, as always, it depends. But do I, do I intimately know a majority of your friends? Will I ever have a chance to intimately know a majority of your friends? You hope. Yeah, okay. Forget the hope for a moment, but right now. Do I? Well, as you bring them, yes. Okay. Well, hopefully you have some unsafe friends, okay? All right. But here's what I'm saying. Do I intimately know them all? Then why is it my responsibility solely to be the one to minister to reach them? Yeah, see, hear what Bruce said? It's not. Who's going to reach them then? Billy Graham? He's getting kind of old. You understand? He's not doing too many crusades anymore. Now, what are we doing to reach them? And whose responsibility is it? 
See, what I'm trying to say to you is we cannot reduce ministry down to one guy or let's say we get lucky enough and we, you know, we have a youth pastor. We can't even reduce it down to him. Because it's, you're not going to touch the community. You can't even reach it. You can't even reduce it down to, oh, we've got a Christian radio station in the area. Yeah, they're not listening to that. They're listening to DDE or, or whatever. You know, Froggy. Depending on what their preference of music is. And so Paul's recognizing for him that he has a responsibility, what? To be a minister of the new covenant. Now my question is, do you recognize that for your own self? Look, the first, the, 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 the person in your life that you are concerned about for, for salvation is more than likely only going to hear from you. Wow. Wow, isn't it? Isn't that something? Boy, it's too serious, George. Okay, well, let's go on then. Next thing he says is the ministry was given to Paul in spite of his past sins. Look again at verse 1. Notice what he says. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. What's he talking about here, as we have received mercy? Paul, when you read Paul's epistles, one of the things that comes out of his epistles is that Paul's very much aware that he's not worthy to be saved. He's not worthy to have salvation. Because he deserves to be dead. Because think about it, what, what What was Paul's background? What did he do for a living? Well, yeah, he ended up at one time persecuting Christians. And so when you read him, he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. And so Paul realizes that the ministry was given to him in spite of his past sins. Now, here, there's a wonderful thought that comes out of this passage for you and I. Because you might be here and you might be saying, well, that's well and dandy, George, that I have a ministry and that I'm, only, I'm the one who's going to have to reach those people. But you don't know my background. You don't know how I stumbled. You don't know how I failed. You're right. God does, but He still gave you the ministry. We say, well, those people that I'm trying to minister to, they know. Yeah. Did you hear what Bruce said? What better way to talk about grace? What better way to start off and say, you know, yeah, I know that I did that, but can I be honest with you? I was wrong. And I found peace now. I found forgiveness. We're scared sometimes of sharing our faith for the simple fact of what people know about how we used to be. Right? Now, if if they've got a problem with you because you're still the way you used to be, then you maybe need to look at your own heart. You know what I mean? If they've got a problem with you because you're still the same way you used to be before you, quote, got saved, then maybe you need to look at your own heart because maybe you didn't get saved. You understand? Because with salvation comes a new life, a new focus, a new direction. So the ministry was given to Paul in spite of his past sins. The ministry is given to you and I in spite of our past sins. In spite of it. Listen, what's the number one complaint that unbelievers the lost have about Christians in the church? Yeah, the hypocrites. All right, 
Why do they say that the problem is hypocrites? Because they're, okay, the way they live during the week, because they're also what? Professing one thing, and they're also, when they're professing one thing, what's their attitude? Did you hear what Mike said over here? They try to make themselves above others. They try to make themselves holier than thou, but then they just live the rest. And so the world looks at that and says what? Yeah, that's a lie. That's a hypocrite. Now, remember what I told you. The word hypocrite, in its Greek meaning, comes was the word used back in, in ancient Greek culture for the arts, meaning acting. Remember, back then how they acted was they didn't have just a person up there acting. They had a person wearing a mask. And so it means wearing a mask. And so a hypocrite is actually somebody who's wearing a mask. He's got a mask of religion covering who he truly is, and who he truly is is not who he says he is. Now, here's the thing. Now, you say, well, they, that would cause me to be a little bit fearful, George, because they're going to accuse me of being a hypocrite. No, they're not going to accuse you of being a hypocrite. They're going to accuse you of being real if you say to them, I know what my issues are. I know what my past is. And I'm not proud of it. And I was wrong. And I was deceived. See, they're not going to... They, what, what the world is looking for is sincerity. See, if you don't go and have the hoity-toity, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, all, I'm perfect now Christian attitude with them, see, that's what turns them off. Hey, let's be honest, it turns you off too, doesn't it? See, here's the thing. If you are going to try to minister to people, the best thing for you to do is just be sincere. See, because here's the thing. They know the issues in their life. They're wanting what you have if it's real. If it's real. Fake religious stuff turns people off. So, you just need to be honest and real. Now, let's go on. Paul's attitude then. Because of the ministry, he has this attitude. Verse 2, he tells us a little bit. He says, Paul renounced the shameful practices used in handling the gospel. There's some people who are doing some despicable things in the name of ministry. Some despicable things. And all you got to do is just turn on your TV. All you have to do is just turn on your TV and you will see people doing some things in the name of Jesus Christ that are just plain out despicable. You know, you might get one of these guys. Here's one. I I don't need to mention his name, but he gets up there and he's got he you know he's got a long coat on. He look he's dressed to the hilt. I mean, he's paid some money for his thing. And when he gets up there, he whirls around with his coat jacket, and people fall on the ground, slain in some kind of a spirit. And all of it in the name of Jesus. I forgot to tell you that. You need to send him 10% so that God blesses it a hundredfold and he flies off in his jet. You drive home in your beater. And Paul says, look, I, I renounce those shameful practices as I minister. Why? Because he wants to be sincere in his ministry. He wants to be sincere. In fact, What's going on here is that some accuse Paul of using the gospel deceitfully to serve his own ends. Some of these Judaizers in the church, some of these false teachers in the Corinthian church were saying, you know, Paul's using the gospel to serve his own ends here. And Paul says, I renounce that. 
That's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. And so, so what is his purpose then? He talks about a proper handling. Paul states that they present the gospel in truth before God and man. Before God and man. See, Paul understands that as he presents the gospel, he's going to be held accountable ultimately to who later on? God. But not just to God, he's going to be held accountable to who? To men. See, that's the nature of Christianity. Can I be honest with you? The nature of Christianity is, and can I be honest, I'm going to kill something here today, and I want you to understand it. There is this, there is this lie that's propagated in the church that we are not to judge each other. How many of you have heard that? I'm going to tell you right now, it's a, it's a lie out of the pit of hell. It's a lie. Because if you read the Bible, if you read the New Testament in particular, one thing that is stressed over and over and over again in, and I'll go through it, through the Gospels, through the epistles of Paul, Peter, Jude, all of them, all the way into the book of Revelation, one thing that is stressed over and over and over again is that when somebody makes a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, he is now accountable to who? Not just God, not just to all people, but to the church in particular. Now, what goes with accountability? Well, a lifestyle change, but let's say Mike's accountable to me, and Mike slips up. How am I going to hold him accountable if I can't Judge him. You understand what I'm saying? Is there any accountability without a judgment call? No, there is no accountability. In fact, what you have is what we see in our churches today. People who profess one thing, but yet go on living their life in a completely different way, and then here's what they say, you can't judge me. Excuse me, but the Bible says I can't. If you're going to name the name of Jesus and the lives of the people around us are at stake because of your testimony, you better believe it. We can't. You say, really? Are you sure that's there? Yeah. Think about what Paul did in his first Corinthian letter. There was a guy in the church who was having an affair with who? His father's second wife. And, did, and here's what the Corinthian church did. The Corinthian church says, oh, well, you know, He's forgiven. We can't judge him. Paul says, no. You deal with him. And if he's not going to repent, you cast him out. Until he comes to his senses. Then you let him come back into the church. See, there is a proper handling of the Word of God. There is a proper handling. So, even Paul, as he recognizes, as he presents the Gospel, he recognizes that there is an accountability to not just God, but to who? Yeah, to men. Yeah, you, you had a question. I thought I saw your hand over here too. Matthew 7, verse 7. Okay, yes. Now, here's the thing. Look, because you've got to take it in context. Look at the whole section here. Verse 1 says, Judge not that you not be judged. Verse 2, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. 
and with what measure you use, you will be measured will be measured back to you. Then he goes on and says, verse three, and why do you look at your the speck in your brother's eye when you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how you can say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's what he's talking about. He's not In Jesus' statement here, he is not saying that you should not judge. He's talking about your attitude in judgment. He's saying, for instance, let's say, let's say I enjoy my wine. I enjoy drinking wine. I do, but I mean, I, I don't do that. But I did. Okay. All right. I did enjoy a glass of wine. Because in my family, we grew up at a meal, we had a glass of wine. And that's the European thing. Well, let's say I got Bruce here. Bruce enjoys his old Milwaukee. What Jesus is talking about is, is that I can't go to Bruce and say to him, I know it's cheap beer, but that's fine. Okay. He says, I go to Bruce and I say, Bruce, you're not right with God, man. Drinking that beer stuff, what's the matter with you? Jesus is talking about me leveling a judgment against him when in reality, I'm doing what? Same thing. Now, I may be drinking wine, but he's drinking what? Beer. See, I'm having an attitude where I'm holding him in judgment, where in reality, I'm doing the same thing. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. Why? He says, don't judge. See, that's what I'm saying. The measuring stick that you use to judge others by, you'll be judged by. See, that's what I'm talking about. But what Paul's talking about here, if we get back to Corinthians, where we need to be, uh, back to 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about really that as he ministers, he understands that he's accountable. Listen, I'm accountable. It ain't me, then God. And some pastors will tell you that, that they're only accountable to God. Well, I am accountable to God. The Bible does say that. But the Bible also says that I'm accountable to who? The church. Because who's going to determine whether or not what I say is wrong? Yeah, the brethren. They will judge when I'm wrong. And is there not a, is there not a, a, uh, a mandate in church that we are to test what is being taught? Is that not true? So Paul says, I'm accountable. See, you guys think I'm doing it for my own purpose. You're wrong because I'm accountable not just to God, but I'm accountable to man. Is what he's saying here. Let's go on. So now he talks about the nature of ministry in the world. So let's, let's look at verse 3 and 4. And so he's going to talk about the nature of ministry in the world. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So he's going to talk about the nature of ministry. Here, you want to know why it's so difficult for you to share your faith with others, especially those friends. Some of you said you've got lots of friends. Why it's so difficult? He's going to tell you right now, right here. Verse 3. He talks about the blindness. The gospel is hidden from those who are lost. The gospel is hidden from those who are lost. See, those who are lost cannot comprehend what you're saying. 
Because it's hidden from them. So why do you beat yourselves up? Well, if I only had presented a little bit better, if I only had done this, if I only knew what George knew, if I had George there right with me, or, or if I just let him take over, and, you know, blah, 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 you know, and you beat yourselves up because you presented the gospel and the person didn't understand, and you're thinking, I must have done something wrong. I didn't have the right words, or I didn't talk like Billy Graham did, or I tried to do it like Billy Graham did, and blah, blah, blah. You're forgetting something. The gospel is hidden from those who are lost. Those who are lost are blind to the gospel. That's not our job. Your job is simply to proclaim it. But I can tell you how to pray. Because I want you to notice the next point. Why are they blind? Satan has blinded their eyes to the truth of the gospel. Verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age... Who's the God of this age? Satan has blinded, who do not believe. Why? Lest the light of the gospel, and we'll get to that in a moment, the reason for the blindness, but Satan has blinded the eyes of others to the truth of the gospel. How does this help us to then know how to pray for people who are lost? How does that help us? Okay, we're dealing with Satan, but we know that he's blinded their eyes. How do we then pray for people? Yeah, did you hear what Bruce said? To pray that their eyes are open. See, listen, when you're praying for people to get saved, is your prayer like this? Oh God, I just pray that you save my mama, save my brothers and sisters. Is that your prayer? You know what? That's great, but you need to take it one step further. You've got to get downright specific. God, their eyes are blinded. It's very evident to me because when I share with them, they don't understand the enemy is blinding their eyes, Lord. Open their eyes. Not their physical eyes. Remember, we're talking about their spiritual eyes. Open their spiritual eyes of their hearts so that they could see the truth. So they can understand who you are. Lord, work in their life. Show them their need for Jesus. Lord, as I share with them, as I'm going to share with them here in a few moments or whatever... God, can they understand what I'm talking about? Can they? Lord, work in their life. See, it's going to change the way you pray for them. It's going to change your whole prayer life as you pray for those loved ones of yours or friends or relatives who are saved. It's also going to give you an understanding because you've been frustrated because you've tried sharing. You maybe have shared over the years. How many of you have shared with people for years, never seen them change, and you've been frustrated? How many? Be honest. Lift your hand if you've been frustrated. And you thought it was you. Lift your hand. Keep your hand up. Look around. You know, I'm having you look around for a reason because you're not the only one. Second of all, it's not you. It's not you. But what are we looking here? What's Paul saying here in this verse? Who is the problem? Satan. He's blinding their eyes. Now, let's talk about why he's blinding their eyes. The next point is this. Their eyes are blinded to keep them from understanding the gospel. He doesn't want them to understand the gospel. Because he knows if they understand, they're going to do what? They're going to accept. They're going to get saved. 
See, there's something a lot, there's a lot more going on with your friend or your relative not going, coming to Jesus Christ. It's that you have an enemy. So that needs to change the way you pray. So then now he talks about the responsibility of ministry. And let's finish up here real quick. Verse 5 and 6, I'll read them to you and then I'll just go through the points real quick. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here's the object of their ministry. Paul says, the focus of their ministry was not themselves. Paul's saying this, the reason why we're doing what we're doing is not us. Boy, is that something we've got to understand? Can I be honest with you? The church isn't here for just you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Do you understand? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and reaching people for the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the focus. That's the focus. That has to be your focus. It's not about you. Because look, if you sit around thinking about you all the time, just you, what you want, what you feel like, what's this, well, you're going to be pretty selfish. You're going to be pretty, I mean, and then you're going to be irritated real quick. Well, I didn't like the way Brad chose that song. It just wasn't what I needed right now. I, I can't believe that George preached from that passage. That's not my issue this week. Doesn't he know that he should call me and ask me what I should pre- what he should preach on this week? Do you see how the extremes we can go to? I, I can't believe that the men had a breakfast. When are they going to do something for the women around here? The focus of their ministry is not themselves. Paul did what? Paul stated that the focus of their ministry was Jesus Christ alone. The focus was Jesus Christ alone. He's the focus of ministry. He's the focus of why we do everything here. He's the focus why we had a breakfast yesterday where over 50 men came and most of them don't go to church and we want to build relationships in hopes that they will come to church and what? Hear the gospel? Because the men who brought them are concerned for them. They're their friends. They want them to know the same Jesus. That's the focus of ministry. It's not just that we have a good time and enjoy the bacon that Jack cooked. That you can still smell wafting around this room here. Yes, it was. Paul stated that they were slaves to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Hey, you and I are slaves. He bought us. We are slaves to the ministry. So then in verse 6, he gives us the light in the midst of darkness, a picture of creation. Paul reminds the reader that God brought light into the darkness at creation. See, you're the light in the midst of this world of darkness. You're the light at your workplace. You're the light in your neighborhood. You're the light when you get with your friends wherever you socialize at. You're the light in the midst of darkness. Do you understand that? People are needing a light and you're the light. And so then Paul tells us this. We're going to finish up here. Paul tells us that God brought light into our lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He brought light into our lives with the gospel of Jesus. 
What did Jesus say? Let's go back over to Matthew. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine that other men may see it. See, you're a light because of what Jesus has done in your life. Okay, let's close our time.